Testing. Yeah. 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 There you go. There we go. It's going well. Look I at agree. you. Haven't this young, this young man I haven't seen, seen in like 15 years practically. Yeah. I was trying to actually do the math before we got on about how long it's actually been. And it would have been like 2007, maybe. Yeah. Somewhere in there. 2006, 2007. Yeah. Oh, that's oh, a wild time. Gross. There's a lot. There's a lot of catching up to do. But before we get into it, just want to make sure that you're you're good to go. Yeah. Perfect. And uh, headphones work well for you, I guess. Yep. One hundred percent. So I say the words theme song. Uh, hello and welcome to Hello We Don't Talk Let's Talk, the show where I, Christopher Fah, reconnect with old friends, and today we have the. Uh, we're going to say plucky, uh, Robert Murdoch, <laughs> Robert, welcome to the show. Hi, Christopher. How's it going? Going pretty well today. Uh, obviously some, some somber news, but overall, you know, just, uh, yeah, my friend texted yeah. me, what is heartbreak? Uh, it's a, it's a national tragedy. Indeed. But you know, he had a, he had a good run. He really well, went My off. thing was he, he kind of let us down gently. Yeah, like for sure. he, he did let us know that this might be coming, mm-hmm. but uh, yeah, but yeah, it's, it's not uh, like he didn't have a long run. It was a <laughs> like he's been the host of Jeopardy, I think, forever. That as far thing? as far as I'm concerned, yeah. Um, but yeah, there may have been other hosts, but they're inconsequential as far Indeed. as history is concerned. Uh, in case anybody's uh, missing what is being discussed right now, uh, earlier today, Alex Trebek passed away in his home at the age of eighty. Uh, but anyways, Robert, how are you doing today? Well, sad now. Um, great though. It's uh, it's like 15, 17 degrees outside. I actually just got back from a bike. Nice. And I think it might be the last bike ride of the season. Mm. So after that, I just gave it a, a good old wipe down. And uh, who knows? Maybe I might get another chance to bike. Maybe not. Who knows? Fingers crossed. I'm not one uh, of those bike in the winter kind of people though. Yeah, those people are nuts. <laughs> Yeah, uh, yeah, I have a hard enough time staying upright when it's like dry and there are no challenges. <laughs> so add snow and ice. Uh, so as we as we talked about at the top, I think the last time we saw each other was around 2006, 2007 when we were. I was leaving Cortland, and you were still there for another year. Yeah, and then you went on to Eastwood, as if I recall correctly. Yeah. So yeah. I had no opportunity to see you ever again. No, you went to Cameron, the uh, yes. the high school that was designed by the same firm that designs prisons. I did. Yes. Other uh, delightful I, I, institutions. I assume that that was a joke at the time. And when, <laughs> uh, I, when I first saw the inside, I'm just like, Oh, actually, yeah, well, that's, that's probably distract. legitimate. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, it's uh, so just the, the cells are a little bigger and uh, have bigger windows. Are this functionally the same oh, yeah. and the, lockers? The, the windows are tall, but they're similarly like just the, the skinniest things imaginable. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so Robert, the the things I recall about you, other than, uh, so so I worry that I may have been bullying you ever so slightly when I made when, when I dribbled you and you jumped up and down like a basketball, but you seemed game for it, so I don't feel as guilty about it. <laughs> I don't really remember that too much, so it probably hasn't scared me for life. Excellent, that's I think, what I, I like think, to hear. I think it was just fun. I was a pretty oblivious kid. <laughs> that seems like a good time was had by all. Yeah. Uh, your, 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 your birthday is on Christmas day. Hey, yeah. I remember, uh, I had intended to like get you on closer to that. But then, um, the, the third thing that I know about you is also that, uh, you're, you're a big fan of the James Bond 007 franchise. 
Yeah. And of course, last week we had we had lost the first bond, John Connery. So we're just like, oh well, we'll get on Robert to talk about 007 in the in the general, perhaps, and and other things about his life that uh, sure. that may have developed since since grade seven. Yeah. Well, actually, at the top of the pandemic, because I figured we'd have some time to ourselves and a lot of home time, so I started doing a rewatch of all the Bonds. Hmm. So I would do one every weeknight and it took me a month or two, but I got through them all. And most of them have aged pretty well. Nice. Considering what they were. Yeah. Some let's of say, them have uh, not. Where like Sean Connery, for instance, goes undercover as a Japanese person. Yeah. And is <laughs> made to like put like brown dye on his face and they gave him a funny haircut. <laughs> not great, but. Uh, yeah. And, uh, you know, the general treatment of, of women in those earlier sections. Yeah. Or anyone who wasn't a white British man. Indeed. Is, you know. <laughs> But, uh, uh, and then I started doing all the um, the X Files, which are not James Bond, but uh, just just as fun of a time. <laughs> Fair enough. Uh, but yeah, so I don't have anything particularly uh, pointed, other than uh, Robert. Tell me how your life has been these last these last little over a decade. A decade, holy crap! Yeah. That's a yeah. That's a scary. If you time. if you want, you can just you can just walk through your your yeah. mind palace, just like from from then to now. Mind palace. Yeah, I I've been using that, that word. I've been I love using that. that word a lot. My mind palace like is uh, is sparsely populated. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I guess I've always been someone who enjoys their own company, so it's uh, yeah, not a lot of people in there. But right now, I am a uh, a camera assistant in the film industry in Toronto, and uh, I don't know if that career choice tracks with the me that you knew in yeah. uh, in junior high but that's uh what i'm up to now um i've been doing that for two or three years now um did some big features i did it chapter two and Ooh. um some netflix series like umbrella academy i'm on lock and key right now i did the boys for amazon last year damn things um, <laughs> They, these are things that I've been binge watched and did not uh, look around for the credits. So well, I'll, I'll, I'm I'll I'm junior that. enough where they don't put my name on the credits, uh, you know. And even though they're scrolling by like a hundred <laughs> names for a second, do, yeah. do you have an IMDb page? I do. Yeah, I am. Uh, I think I'm the sixth. <laughs> There's like six other Robert Murdochs out there, but uh, yeah, and then so before that, I went to York University for uh, film production and had a good time there and then straight out of school i joined the union's trainee program to uh learn how to do this job and then bob's your uncle here i am uh so what does the job itself look like well the simple the as with any job there's like so many aspects of it that no one knows anything about uh <laughs> but the the really simple way to describe it is you know that person with the with the slate you know it says take one yep. that's the six that's that's essentially my job, except there's about 99 other things, <laughs> 99 million other things to do. But as a point of familiarity, just exactly. to the slate. Exactly. Everyone knows that. <laughs> and uh, it's pretty cool. I've got to see places that, you know, they don't let the general public into, like at the back of a bowling alley where they have all the pin setters. Mm-hmm. I thought that was really cool. <laughs> <laughs> that, that, that does kind of up. Yeah. It's all this like, because think of when bowling alleys were in their heyday in I, I want to say like the fifties or whatever. It's that's like right. there's all very like heavy machinery, a lot of wheels and pulleys and gears. So that's where all that machinery, that's that era that it comes from. 
So you go back there and it's these huge steampunky looking things that just mm-hmm. retrieve the ball and set the pins. It's like, it's fantastically low tech. <laughs> it's delightful to be back there. Uh, <laughs> yeah. And then like up high in certain buildings or, you know, in access corridors backstage at a bunch of theaters, really cool places that they don't let people go. Right. Mm-hmm. I think that's, that's probably my favorite part. My least favorite part would be the uh, ridiculous hours that are sometimes there <laughs> and the, uh, the lack of a life that you get to have. I so see. weekends uh, are pretty sacred. How, how, long does a, how long does a day look for you? Uh, before COVID, we were doing maybe 14 to 16-hour days and then going home and having uh, 10 hours from the time you leave work to the time you get back. And then now that COVID has happened, the, uh, I guess the powers that be, it's the studios that set the schedule. Mm -hmm. So I guess they have been wanting to cover their butts and they've been told that people's immune systems are stronger when they have more sleep and have more rest time at home. So now Mm -hmm. they've had a mandate to kind of shorten the days to something that's a little more reasonable. So it's a 10 hour shooting day. And with the pre-call and the wrap out, that usually looks like about 12 or 13 hours. So that's much more reasonable than what we were doing before. Reasonable for the job and still insane to an outsider. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) (laughs) It's a little silly, but it's a, it's, it's a lifestyle, I guess. Uh, lifestyle wise, uh, what's, what, what, what's the food situation like in a, in a day of work for you? Is it, are, are you bringing lunch from home or are your assistants going out and getting no, we, like, uh, orders or is it we crafty? Get, uh, we get uh, a catered lunch every day, which is, um, half a courtesy and half, uh, just it saves a lot of time. So it's, it's prepared. We, you know, break for lunch and we go and in the, I don't want to say the old days, but normally we would go. And it's a lunchroom. There's kind of a, a buffet style thing set up with a bunch of shaving dishes and we gotcha. fill up our plates. And now it's kind of takeaway stale meals right from the cater. So like a, a big old kitchen on wheels. And then during the day, if you want snacks, there are you know, craft services people that um, have a, a table fully stocked normally. Mm-hmm. Now it's kind of out of the back of the truck again, just COVID safety. Health reasons, but, yeah. Yeah, picture a table full of food and goodies and constantly being replenished because uh, everyone there is doing physical activity on their feet for quite some time yep shout Mm -hmm. out to shout out to craft services oh my gosh that is (laughs) the thing i find that i miss the most is the craft table (laughs) and now it's now it's a whole other story trying to get food on set and it's it's going to go back to normal one these days but in the meantime it's just got to suck uh so was the um was this particular uh, I guess role in the in the production of of media, your intent going into university, or was that? Well, I would describe myself as on the ladder, climbing. Gotcha. Uh, and my end goal would be somewhere near the top. So I don't know if I want to be a, a director of photography, but definitely a a first assistant at some point, which is the person who's basically functionally in charge of the whole camera department and mm-hmm. um, sets the uh, during the shot, uh, adjust the focus of the lens a bunch of other details, but um, essentially like any movement of the lens is like completely manual. So Mm -hmm. if an actor leans forward like a foot, that's, that's the first assistant to track them forward or backwards or, and then directing your eye to different things within the. Cool. So that's, that's eventually where I want to be, I think. 
and, and is this like a area of work where you know there's a more like sort of defined hierarchy of like promotion and within? Yeah, yeah. There's so within the camera department, you've got the director of photography who is in charge of both the camera department and the lighting department, and pretty and the grip department pretty much. Um, so all things related to functionally setting up what the scene looks like camera wise and lighting wise. And then in the camera department, you've got the operator, then the first assistant, then the second assistant, and then the trainee handling the data. You've got a data management technician, digital intermediate technician. Um, there could be a, a video operator that sets up all the monitors for um, the DP and the video village. And sometimes they have the capability to, to capture playback things superimpose stuff if you're doing green screen work. Right now on this show, for instance, we have a 17-person department, which is fairly large, mm -hmm. um, considering on smaller stuff, you could have it just be like three people, an <laughs> operator first and a second. But uh, yeah, we have 17 people, three, three cameras. Um, it's a pretty fleshed out department. All the, all the bases are covered. Fantastic. Uh, but overall, like in... Uh, the, the the line of work that you that you're into seems to be something that you know was born out of a passion. From yeah, what, from what I can tell. Yeah, and I mean not to not to uh, like put what I do on any sort of a pedestal, but if if the people who did it, 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 it it's too hard to not like what you do. So yeah, if you're just there for a paycheck, you're not gonna last right away. So <laughs> everyone is there because they are somewhat deranged or <laughs> they they have a real a keen aspect for uh, they have a real uh liking for, and for me i think i'm more of like a, a happy technician so i like the gears and or, or i like the gear i like the the kind of the toys aspect to it and I like doing a good job uh you mentioned you went to york university uh what yeah. was the academic process like before uh before you got into the real world um i'd say that you could do you can do the job without having gone to school. A lot of it is a tremendous amount on the job. There's so much that they can't teach you. Mm -hmm. Most of the education that I got was the ability to screw up for free <laughs> on like student movies. And yeah. then uh, a lot of background and history that never comes into play into my daily life. But, you know, it's nice to have. And I have a, a piece of paper on my wall, <laughs> much to the, the pleasure of my parents. Indeed. I'm glad I went to school, but uh, you don't need it to be. Mm hmm. Uh, how, how I was working on student films um, back when, you know, presumably people have minimal experience in, in what, what's exactly. supposed to be happening. Well, I mean, that was the height of everyone's experience at that time. So, I mean, it was probably great. But if I were to go back and volunteer on like a first year student film, I would probably, I don't know, pulling my hair out, <laughs> walking away and just, yeah, shaking my head. But uh, it, it's a, it was a lot of like people figuring it out and um, respect for upper years who you know looking back had just the barest more <laughs> experience than you did and just like slightly more confidence but in the grand scheme of things we were all it's, just like it's like that john mulaney bit where exactly he's like a kid and he's being babysat by a 12 year old yeah <laughs> slightly taller child that's it that's that's perfectly that's the way to sum what have you been up to I haven't, uh, I got rid of my Facebook, uh, earlier in the pandemic as mostly because I didn't want to have, uh, the Facebook servers 
wasting electricity and air conditioning storing my stuff. So Fair enough. just got everything saved, anything that was, uh, I thought was interesting and deleted it all off their servers and then uh, deactivated the old account. That's, that's a sensible move. Yeah. I'm still actively on Facebook doing the same thing that I always have been, which is just posting things to hopefully make people laugh a little bit in the day. Yeah, that's, uh, that's, as always, my goal is to make sure or to have somebody I know at least crack a smile, hit a I, like. I do remember that. that whenever I would come across something that you posted, it was always I would learn something or get directed to a nice article or it does make you crack a smile. Yeah. And and for some reason, people, um, you know, they, they, they like do things in their lives so they don't have time as, as much time as I do to browse Reddit. Mm-hmm. So I'm just going to cut out the middleman, just like give it to them. For that. Exactly. It's like, it's like the greatest hits <laughs> delivered. It's a curated, it's yeah. like you should send out an email list of here's the, the best things I've found on Reddit. <laughs> I found our flavor town, which is a Guy Fieri subreddit. That sounds phenomenal. It is. It is just amazing. <laughs> <laughs> you can't, you can't beat Guy Fieri. That dude is simultaneously like one of the by all means like a a, a great decent human being and just like oddly i've never seen him give something that wasn't just just lavish praise (laughs) on anything you could i wonder what you could put in front of him you could give him like cat food with a little bit of paprika on top and he would go (laughs) brother that's out of bounds (laughs) (laughs) I have no, yeah. What what's bad for him? He's never given anything a thumbs down. And like I, the one podcast I listened to called Doughboys, they went to the um, like the Guy Fieri like American restaurant in New York when they did a tour. I'm just like, hearing the things on the menu, just like, oh, this guy has like minimal standards oh, <laughs> about no. like uh, culinary things. He he he's very much a chef for the people. So it would seem that in order to get your own sort of reviewing show, you don't have to have any sort of culinary background or skill. You just have to have incredibly low threshold. Yeah, it's always food. been about the charisma. Yeah. If if we can get more eyes on the Food Network, then then, then that's that's just more ad money, baby. We need to dye your hair blue, get it all spiky. We'll get you a muscle car. And then we'll, we'll uh, send you across the country. Excellent. food. As long as you're smiling, it will work. I, I can definitely do that on camera for an extended period of time. But once those cameras are off, I am, I am back to neutral face. <laughs> uh, but yeah, um, uh, once Cameron did partial IB because I didn't have any interest in topics that weren't math. Mm-hmm. Um, and then it turns out that was because I just like sucked at most education except for math from like grades one to first year university. And then after first university, uh, where I got in for a math program, things got hard and I got challenged. And then like my brain didn't know how to process that. So just kind of like, uh, like, do I want to keep doing this? This is, this is, this is, this is adversity in my life academically, not used to this. Um, so I got like burned out of university for a bit, took an academic leave. People kept asking me when I was going to finish my degree, which is always fun because uh, until you get your degree, that that question doesn't stop. Second, if you ask, to when are you going to get married, or when am I going to get grandchildren? Exactly. <laughs> um, so uh, to, to to silence the question, I went back and looked at like what degree I had the most credits towards, and it turned out to be economics, which 
for the most part, I, I it was like content I enjoyed doing. Mm-hmm. Uh, there was like a game theory course that went really, really well. Um, but then out of school, I didn't like really, I had looked around a little bit for, for jobs that required an economics degree. And then I just kind of settled for mail room at an insurance company, which, you know, didn't require a degree at all. But um, it was a good way to just sort of keep busy, get an income. It was more complex than, than the phrasing of mailroom tends to give. As, as is any job. I mean, yeah. yeah. My, our, our jobs are pretty similar that way where, you know, you, you say kind of what it is. And they go, oh, I know exactly what you do. You, no, 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 you don't. <laughs> no idea. <laughs> yeah. So I did that for a couple of years and then the pandemic hit and working mm-hmm. at a insurance company handling travel claims. Um, uh, things got really busy. The, oh. the, map, the, the work became a mountain because people had to like cancel their trips and we handle trip cancellation trains as well. Okay. Um, so there are suddenly like, here's 20,000 claims that we would like to process because things are changing. And it's just like, oh, okay. Uh, so the claims examining team basically asked other departments to have people on loan because like, you know, things like sales weren't happening. So like those people, rather than fire them, will just like have them learn how to adjudicate claims and stuff. Oh, um, great. That seems like a recipe for success. Oh, yeah. It was fantastic. Uh, <laughs> And, you know, my, my bosses knew that, you know, I'm a bit overqualified for the mailroom and, you know, mm-hmm. getting out was something that I was kind of wanting to do, but never had a great opportunity because the structure of our company isn't great for, you know, here's, here's a clear path to move up because there's no real ladder. It's just like a bunch of different departments that do different things. So like mm-hmm. you're either an associate or you're a supervisor and there's no real like chain uh, outside of that. Uh, so they're like, do you want to learn how to be an examiner? I'm just like, Yeah. If that's what the company needs, yeah, why not? Uh, so then I did that uh, for a month, and then they gave me a full-time uh, offer of employment to, to be a claims examiner. So I've been doing that since uh, April. Excellent. It's fun. I get to look at documents and be like, yes, no. Wow. I mean, yeah. without is, are there any fun things that you can share without violating some confidentiality things? Um, like, like any like so bogus things that have come your way? I so here's the thing I I don't know if because like I haven't been diligent enough or not but I haven't found anything particularly bogus um so when I send in my claim I should you know attention Christopher Wa basically uh, don't don't do that but I will look for your claim and I will try to like snag it from other people <laughs> there has been there have been three incidences in which I've seen cases from people I know but I'm not actually allowed to work on them obviously for conflict right. of interest um Hilarious, but man, uh, I've I do want to cheat the system because you know capitalism. Why not? That's yeah. what it's for. It's, it's not it's not my money. I'm giving away. It's money. <laughs> Is this uh, the section that kind of gets cut out of every um, podcast episode? Because I imagine it, it, there's it, a back it, and forth every every were, single one. Were this a better podcast? Absolutely. However, <laughs> uh, my my willingness to edit things. Is so episode fifty six so, so is the fifty sixth time that the listeners are hearing. About here, oh yeah, exactly, history. exactly. <laughs> uh, we're actually on episode thirty-three, which is like longer than I thought that this was ever going to happen. Give me a list. Who you've been talking to? Uh, a lot of people from high school that you wouldn't know. Some people from university that you also probably wouldn't know. Oh, great! How about um, anyone? <laughs> and and Carolyn Bear, who you would know. Oh yeah, we grew up across uh, across the street from each other. Yeah. Uh, yeah. After after each recording, I do have like a bit of like a 
like a green room, just chat to make sure that, you know, they're not traumatized from the experience of being a part of a <laughs> podcast for the first time. Yeah. Um, and yeah, she, she was uh, very much advocating for, for your appearance on this oh, show. Hilarious. So, so shout out to Carolyn. Yeah. And I haven't, uh, haven't talked to Carolyn and probably, no, she went to Eastwood. So there yeah. was like a four year overlap, but yeah, same. I last I heard she was in BC and, uh, Related to serious study. Yes, that is uh, my the, the, the serious studying. Pretty much the serious studying of children and oh, okay. their behaviors. Oh, wonderful! Uh, but if you'd like to know more, listen to her episode. <laughs> <laughs> Available um, now on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. That is precisely the wording that I put up in text format. It's such a hard podcast. Is a very hard word to say. They, they should oh, yeah. have picked a different. Like, <laughs> you know the new bubbly. Get it wherever you get your bubbles. <laughs> That's easy. Podcast. Uh, yeah. The, this podcast has been a lifesaver throughout quarantine. Just, yeah. just getting the opportunity to talk to people that I don't get to talk to that often. Yeah, it's a, it's a great excuse. It's, if, if, if this were one step up, it would be like one of those evening talk shows. And uh, after the commercial break, we'd have a wildlife tamer come out. Yes, it's like exactly. A, a hawk and a you know a great wolf, <laughs> and don't forget about a musical guest. <laughs> Who would be the musical guest today? Ooh, uh, I tried to book Foo Fighters, but they were like in New York or something yesterday. Oh. I I don't quite get it. Um, <laughs> uh, so probably uh, my my friend's band from Toronto who had a new album that actually came out on Friday. Nice. I'll say that for the plug section. That'll be my plug, anyways. <laughs> There's a plug section. Oh, there's yeah. always a plug section. Even though the people I talk to are pretty much average shows, um, you know, it, it's it's just the the staple of a of a podcast format. You give your guest a moment to promote something. Yeah. Oh, hilarious. Oh, now I'm gonna go back and I'm gonna listen to the Carolyn episode, <laughs> which is <laughs> strange. I've successfully uh, sold an episode of my show now. That <laughs> this nice. is yet to happen. Nice. What's uh, your What's your system there? What do you got set up to? Uh, to record it all uh so uh zoom automatically uh saves the the call as both an audio only and video format okay so the wonderful video, the video i don't do anything to and i just upload straight to youtube nice the audio format i i get rid of that chunk where i say that i uh i would insert a theme song and said i just silence that and i just put in the damn theme song because yeah that that just makes sense to me um and then i run it through like i had asked some people who had a podcast uh in los angeles about like the tools that they use to get their audio ready for public consumption mm-hmm. they're like well we do we do this and this and this and then we run it through uh we like save it and then we run it through this program called the conversations network levelator which is like i guess an equalizer normalizer in them. okay some audio stuff that i don't know much about but it handles it all for me. And as far as I've, as far as I know, I have yet to receive any particularly negative feedback about, about the mixing of the audio. So, and obviously uh, this room is a bit uh, cavernous at the moment. So it's a faint echo. Obviously. Those in the business would refer to that as being a live room. Yes. As opposed uh, to dead. No. <laughs> uh, yeah. And, that, and then that goes up on anchor, which then distributes it to internet podcast platforms the uh, aforementioned wherever you get your podcast indeed what's your when you listen to podcasts yep. i guess yep. i should ask you what uh what do you listen to and what's your ideal 
podcast length? Ooh, um, okay. So, so my podcast schedule, I, I listen to everything through the, through the Stitcher app because that was the place to, that was for a while the only place to get certain premium paywalled podcasts. Um, for free? No. <laughs> oh, I, 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 your podcast. I, I'm, I'm a man of means. I pay for, <laughs> I, pay, <laughs> I pay a monthly <laughs> subscription for Stitcher premium podcasts. And then I also uh-huh. contribute to two Patreons that give me one episode a week. Oh, wonderful. Like Five dollar views. So, mm-hmm. you know, the, I, I'm able to set aside, I'm privileged enough to, to earmark $15 a month to pay for things I'll listen to once and then probably never visit again. Yeah. Well, if, if it's worth it to you, if it gives you enjoyment, oh, yeah. there's no, no harm in stimulating and, and the economy. And I want the people that do these shows to have as much success as possible. because That's how capitalism works. Yeah. Uh, Whether like, you're defrauding an insurance company or <laughs> spreading the love through your premium podcast. Exactly. Um, yeah. Like the, the hosts of the podcast I listen to are generally like writers in the LA comedy scene. And, you know, a lot of the, it, it, it's a, it's a hard business because there's only so many shows that are going to get picked up in a year. And mm-hmm. it's not that they're not funny. It's just like, there are things that have, you know, more audience appealers. So it's just like, okay, well, these people deserve credit i'm giving them money directly screw okay. screw the networks for not picking up these damn shows or canceling them after six episodes mm-hmm. uh but anyways so my podcast schedule is uh almost exclusive yeah exclusively comedy um actually sorry there, there's a singular podcast that i listen to that is not strictly comedy and that is la podcast which looks at la municipal um politics which is cool that comes out on mondays uh, Comedy Bang Bang is a pretty notable podcast that uh, is an improv interview style type of show uh, where people come on as themselves, as the main guests, and then come on as characters if they're like secondary guests. Uh, what else? Uh, Conan O'Brien needs a friend. Uh, I've fallen a bit out of um, for no real reason other than uh, not having to commute to work is just like slightly less time to listen to podcasts. Versus, you know, just doing other things at that time. Yeah. Um, there was an episode of this show a while ago where I was able to, like, rattle this off. For some reason, it's, like, blanking You can just right splice now. that right in. Yeah. The magic, <laughs> of, the magic of editing. What's your, uh, what's your uh, favorite length, your ideal length? Oh, right. Uh, I, 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 of the shows I listen to, they all go about, like, 90, 16 to 90 minutes. Um, Sweet. Real, real long ones. But I just have them on while I'm doing actual work. Mm-hmm. Um, as like a holdover from when I was in the bedroom is like, here's a repetitive task. I'm just like, okay, I could like shut my brain off while yeah. my body does whatever it needs to do. And then we come out of it. Having listened to a, having listened to a podcast and also the work is somehow done. Yeah. It's a win-win. Yeah. Um, I think I'm on the team. Like I need it to be 20 to 30 minutes. Really? Nothing just nice short burst. Yeah. And it, it's, I think it's because of what I do well and I listen to podcasts. I'll like, put it on for the dishes or folding laundry gotcha. or something like that. So what is it? The New York times has the daily is pretty good. And then we have the CBC has front burner, which is kind of the Canadian version of that. But someone educated to discuss <laughs> the actual topic yeah. or like uh, they have the forensic files uh, that, that crime TV show that they've just, uh, gotcha. it, and they figured out that it works incredibly well as <laughs> an audio, an audio only format because there's nothing that's happening on screen that is adding like they just <laughs> describe it so idiot proofly 
that you could take away the visual and it totally works. So those are like little 20 minute, super crushable. Interesting. Uh, I think the only long format ones I would listen to are uh, Team Deacons, which is Roger Deakins, who's a cinematographer who's shot all your favorite movies. Um, pretty widely uh, regarded as being one of the masters of the craft. He has a, a one hour deep dive into a, a particular topic every I don't know, period of time. I don't know how often it comes up, but it's, I've been learning a ton and I work in the industry. So yeah. like, that's how, like there's such a wealth of knowledge. So that's uh, for, for any aspiring uh, camera people. Exactly. Yeah. Gotcha. And even for, even if you don't want to do it, it's just fascinating to hear. I'll, I'd hear experts talk about their craft any day of the week. It's like the, the kind of the Ted talk appeal. Oh, for sure. Someone knows exactly what they're on. Like they've devoted their whole life to knowing them. Yeah. Give it talk. The ability for someone to speak passionately about something that they can is underrated. Yeah. Um, can just do that all day. Oh, exactly. Uh, and this, I mean, I was lucky enough to make what I was interested in into a source of income. Mm-hmm. So, uh, and sometimes they're together. Sometimes they're like you have your hobbies and you, your job are totally separate Yep. But for, uh, for whatever reason, mine are combined. I'm not sure if it's working out for the best for me. Or we'll see. <laughs> um, I've been watching a lot of like Twitch streams over the course of the pandemic. I don't know mm-hmm. if you're familiar with the platform at all. I um, only hopped onto Twitch at the very beginning when they were doing the Bob Ross uh, uh, gotcha. marathon. Yeah. Uh, did you see the Bob Ross thing? Oh, of course. I oh, saw the my. Bob Ross and Pokemon marathons. The, the comment section in the Bob Ross, just I still have fond memories of like every time he would get the, the black fan brush out and he'd like mm-hmm. get this great, scene and he'd start to draw a big black line down the middle of it and the comment section would just explode no bob what are you doing <laughs> he's ruined he's it, ruined it. He's ruined it. <laughs> and then you know just a moments later he'd add a couple little things of green and whew, saved it he saved it <laughs> and then they the sign off a miracle oh, worker. good game good game bob good game <laughs> bob ross pog uh but yeah uh like a lot of streamers that i've seen have like because it is their primary like source of income, there's like the the section of them that's just like, well, I I, I do this regardless of the, the money I make um, because they do have a passion for it, and those people are like tend to be pretty successful. And then there's people who are just like, I'm getting on Twitch because it seems lucrative at the time. There's a lot of work, and they get like burned out of it pretty quickly. So 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 being able to like care about the work that you're doing is definitely like, mm-hmm. should hopefully uh, carry you far. Exactly, it definitely gets you over the hump of. Uh, effort to output don't quite don't quite line up. Yeah. So once you get past that, it's only it's only that your your personal passion will take you to where it ought to be. And, and like so. for a guy like me, whose work is you know it's pretty much just like getting a paycheck. Uh, I'll mm-hmm. come in on a Monday. I'll be like super energized from having just like rested up over a weekend. But like on Fridays, we're just like, all right, what time is it? Yeah. Well, I've been there. Yeah. Oh, I've got, you mentioned LA. I've got a fun uh, story from around Christmas time. I had to go to LA. Uh, basically, the the title of the story is "How Drake Paid Me to Go to Los Angeles." Nice. So we call him um, Aubrey here on the show. Just uh, just do saying. We now. Okay. <laughs> so I understand that this is not a Drake podcast. <laughs> Indeed. So uh, I this is like right before Christmas time, like a couple of weeks before it, and. Uh, I got a call from a production manager for a Drake music video. Asked me if I could come in later that same day to prep a camera package for uh-huh. a Drake. Now I couldn't do the the shoot on the weekend. A bit of a shit show. 
<laughs> but uh, I came in and did the prep. It was like two 16 mil camera packages. So like film cameras. Mm-hmm. Um, Cause Drake for, uh, for various reasons and his creative team like to shoot everything on film, which was interesting. Did not know that it's, it's good for assistants who are still into uh, basically, well, not obsolete, but you know, old school technology mm-hmm. and methods to slightly dying art. So uh, it's it's good for the people who are interested. In. He's so, just trying to copy Tarantino. That's what's exactly. happening. Exactly. And uh, after the shoot, I guess I was baking cookies at my friend's house uh, on a Sunday evening. I got a, another call from that same production manager and said, "Hey, uh, are you free tomorrow? Do you have a passport?" Yes. <laughs> okay, great. We have the footage that we shot over the weekend. We need you to go to Los Angeles tomorrow and bring it to the lab. So in LA, there's a, a, a motion picture lab called Photocan. They're like in LA. So they do all the movies pretty much. And they are, I guess, the only lab in the world, a fast enough turnaround for what Drake's team needed. Mm-hmm. So the absolute fastest, safest way for them to get the footage developed and in their hands was to put someone on a plane with a backpack (laughs) full of film, their entire music video, like the, however much money they spent on this music video is now in my backpack. Wow. And, uh, the next morning I'm on a plane, like at the 6am flight to Los Angeles, I think it's like AC 797 or whatever that flight number is. And I'm down there by lunchtime, pretty much take an Uber to, uh, photo cam, drop it off. Then I go to an In-N-Out Burger, and I've got another day and a half to check out Los Angeles. <laughs> on not my dime, it was being what? it was being taken care of. It was amazing. was that your inaugural In-N-Out experience? And if so, no, I'd I'd had In-N-Out once before. When I was eighteen. I went to Las Vegas with my aunt and uncle, um, and which is a surprisingly great town, even if you could gamble. Mm-hmm. So fun time. I was going to say, Las Vegas as an 18-year-old. Yeah. No, it was a great time. Uh, and I had a in and out there. It was still equally good. It's it's just what you want. There's Excellent. nothing more. Yeah. Um, I think it would be dangerous if I were to have access to it where I could have it whenever <laughs> I want. I would. No. The, the, the closest to it that I've that, that I've been told exists in Canada is like uh, like an A&W. Because apparently, oh, no, no. apparently A&W Canada is just like so much different from A&W in the States that... Yeah, it, it's it's about as close as those standout burger chain up here. Interesting. I think no, I think it's uh, I think A and W in Canada is a bit dry in all mm-hmm. respects. Like in and out is pretty. You can still if the if the paper bag is still opaque at the end of your visit, it wasn't. In and out. Like, <laughs> it's got to be soaked through with the grease. Gotcha. As appetizing as that's. Um, is traveling for your work something that happens particularly frequently um, or is it primarily pretty, just like stuff around Toronto? It's pretty uncommon. Um, the furthest afield, I was in Kingston on Friday. This uh, this last show, Lock and Key, um, that's about as far as we go. Everything's pretty in Toronto. I am not good or uh, famous enough to be wanted in other locales. Yet. <laughs> so Yet. There's, en- <laughs> there's enough people <laughs> in other parts of the world. Um, that was the only time I've ever had to travel for work. No, no, that's a lie. When I was in university, I worked in South Carolina during my summers. I was a, uh, a Baywatch lifeguard down there. Nice. Pretty much. And that was my summer job. (laughs) Not, not actual Baywatch, but that's, you know, that puts the right image in your head. (laughs) And that was a good time. Four years in the States 
And uh, I think that was right before that was right before Trump got elected. How did you get commissioned to bought to, to, to Baywatch else in, in the United States? How does that happen? Well, you can, uh, as a Canadian, because the U S and Canada enjoy such a good relationship. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can get a summer work. Um, if you're in university, then you can apply for like a four month visa to work in the States. Um, and all you have to, and they, you know, it's under the guise of a, a cultural exchange. Mm-hmm. So every month I was forced to fill out a form, uh, talking about what sort of U.S. culture I had experienced, <laughs> which, like, essentially Canadian culture, yeah. but just a little, a but little you gotta, more. But you got to slice it up for the people reading your, uh, reading yeah. your little so I would, like, culture report. Yeah, so I would, like, exploit the heck out of, like, this week I went to an American barbecue. <laughs> or, you know, I celebrated the 4th of July. There were fireworks. <laughs> but we would, actually, we, would, uh, we wouldn't celebrate 4th of July on staff too much. We, we would celebrate Canada Day because... Of a staff of about like seventy people, I'd say maybe eight or nine were Canadian. Oh wow! We'd come down do that do that same thing. So we would always have a Canada Day celebration because it's okay to be hungover at work on the second of July, but you <laughs> can you have to be on your on your toes for the Fourth of July. Yeah, of course. Of July. You don't want to be you know passed out or going up to yak in the dunes from the previous <laughs> night's festivities. Uh, it was a good four years. So, so to give this show some structure, I do have like uh, a couple of, of, of pre preset questions that I yeah. dip into. Um, we're going to go for the hard hitting one this time. Uh, uh, Robert, what would you say has been the biggest sort of changes in your or change in your life since uh, we left? Prepared to edit out some silence. I I I I'd make general or liberal use of the. Uh, the truncate silence function in Audacity. Nice, wonderful. Okay. So, so silence should be no longer than one second. Well, I'm no longer the shortest person in the room. Hey. I'm now, uh, perfectly average for a male. Uh, Excellent. I, I fit nicely in airplane seats. I fit nicely on the bus. It's uh, <laughs> it's great. I wouldn't want to be much taller than I am now. Um, yeah, when I was in junior high, I was. Uh, now I'm normal sized. Excellent. <laughs> I think that has been the the biggest change. Everything else has gone rather boringly and to plan i guess whatever plan there is yeah. but no i've been pretty fortunate nothing horribly changed other than like the normal rites of passage of growing up now i'm just no i'm a normal size splendid yeah well, well, well welcome to the normal sized man world uh thank you very much have you cleared the six foot barrier is no, that going I'm to be my five okay. five eight and a half or five nine whatever that mathematically is, average pretty much that, that is perfect I'm right up there. I'm George Clooney is same height. <laughs> I've got a couple inches on cruise. It's King uh, George. It's fun. And the good thing about uh, like actors are so short. So I always... unexpectedly. So yeah. Um, yeah. Like, like finding out how tall Tom Cruise was just like, wait, what? I That's assumed all... he was just like some six foot two Adonis. No, it's, uh, it's all in what you bring to the table and not, uh, not about what you look like. Yeah. Because he brings that, passion. Name a bigger movie star. It's him or The Rock. I, yeah. It's crazy I, how The Rock's career has been since he left the the, the wrestling world. Yeah. He's just like, doing everything. Is, it's, it's irrelevant, basically, that he was a wrestler before this. Yeah. No one, like, if you get a room full of his fans, I bet you that only a handful of, like, remember or liked his wrestling stuff. Because everyone is now watching him in the movies. Yeah, just action man 
Dwayne the Rock Johnson. And a good human being, from what we've been told. Yeah. Recent recent contractor of COVID. Yeah. Hey, if it's I, good I enough for The Rock and for Tom Hanks, I bet. Can. <laughs> oh, man. I've, up, up until uh, Borat 2, uh, or I saw Borat 2, I had forgot that Tom Hanks got COVID. Oh, really? Yeah. Cause, yeah, uh, no, that was that was so that was at the beginning of it all. Yeah, one of the, one of the first. And when he made that cameo in the movie, it's like, oh yeah, this this was a thing that happened. Oh my god! Oh, I haven't seen Borat too, but I guess gotcha. Tom Hanks. Spo- spoilers, it. spoilers as a Tom um, Hanks uh, appearance. I'm okay. I might I might skip that movie, but <laughs> no, it was so actually just uh, that reminded me of. The, the writers that you were talking about earlier, since the whole film industry shut down for six months, the production has stopped, but like people writing scripts has not. Yeah. So I'm really kind of excited about the quality of stuff that will come out in like a year or two. Oh, for sure. Imagine you have an entire pool of writers who the deadline has been kind of lifted, all that pressure to get stuff done. To, to timeline is uh, a little alleviated. So now that just scripts that were about to go to camera now have the opportunity mm-hmm. to ideally develop. I'm not a, a writer, but I think that they'd be silly not to. Yeah, for sure. Uh, there's a Twitch streamer that I watch who, um, he was like formerly a podcast producer and then moved out to LA and wanted to become like a writer. So his like manager actually like uh, tasked him with, you know, writing a pilot. And uh, he's having a bit of a tough time <laughs> writing a pilot because it's not an easy thing to do, writing no. in general. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm hoping that he is able to finish what he started. Um, well, pilots are tough because you got to create a whole world. There's yeah. no... Yeah. And I don't know if you've like paid attention to, 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 to much like new TV, but apparently there's like a zoom based like sitcom or something that's on like oh, NBC. I'm just like Dan, Dan Levy's on that. Is it like, is that the one? I don't quite remember who's on it. I saw the trailer. I'm just like, Oh, this is very much like not going to exist past <laughs> 2021. Are you getting that thing where you watch movies and you suddenly like freak out in your house together? What are they doing? Yeah. No one's got masks on. Got exactly. <laughs> except, except this being, yeah. So as this is a zoom one, I, I, th- I still think that there's like scenes where they're, together in person mm-hmm. which doesn't make any sense because this is like a sitcom uh, very much a quarantine based sitcom it is weird how people's expectations have changed so rapidly i remember that in the summer there was a period of time where everyone was expected to look terrible really scraggly like mm-hmm. haven't haven't had a haircut or any sort of yeah. cosmetic procedures in like months and months and months and if you had a, like a fresh haircut, you were like touching people. Yeah, so you hard. did something like, illegal what, to do this. What are you doing? Like that is not a home haircut. That like ooh. I, and uh, then suddenly, I know your neighbors. I know your parents. None of them are hairdressers. <laughs> yeah, what happened I, here? <laughs> exactly. And then suddenly, when you could go, it was like allowed again. I signed up immediately. Oh, for sure. Yeah. <laughs> just, just like first first week. Well, I think I was hope, knocking hope, on the door. Hope, hope there's a booking open. Exactly. Yeah. But like people's expectations change so rapidly. So I think there is hope that when we kind of get out of the end of this, that everyone's normal will be able to switch. Now you're like, you're going the wrong way on the arrows <laughs> in the grocery store aisle. You Dude, those things, those things like, threw me off. So threw me off so hard the first time I saw them. Yeah. I like, I was like walking, just not having to care in the role. I'm like, keep my distance. I'm like, Oh yeah, I'm doing my part here. And then I look at the couch like, wait, what are these? 
Oh, oh, oh no. no. Oh no, I'm a fool. <laughs> oh god, hopefully nobody, nobody saw me. Oh uh, yeah. yeah. I think I think hopefully things will go back to normal pretty yeah. that is definitely one thing I hope doesn't carry over because like man, oh, this, this yeah, the arrows. Because just like this aisle's clear. Like I can just I can just shoot I, straight down and grab yeah. my thing and then you know, there it's fine. I don't have to go down this other one, come back in. I'd be fine with arrows forever, but you just need uniform like rule following. Mm-hmm. I think the arrows only start to not work when you've got like one person going that you're just so <laughs> shaken. It is, it is the Jenga tower of uh... doing. <laughs> exactly. All right. Hit me with another hard hitting question. That, that was the only one I got, man. <laughs> what's, what's changed? Do you have any softballs? Uh, soft. Hold on. Let, let me open up the doc. Cause apparently my mate, my mind is just like, <laughs> it's a Sunday. That's yes, yes. Uh, what is what is a problem that you uh, have or or had or currently have, um, and and how did or are you dealing? I had a, a plant that I got from IKEA a year and a half in the middle of winter. I brought it outside, and in walking from IKEA to my car, it was like exposed to minus twenty <laughs> for about a minute. You fool! <laughs> and from the moment I got home. For like half a year, it just became brown and it would like shrivel up and it was very dyey. Such a terrible plant. And then on top of that, I put it on a terrible spot. I put it kind of near above a radiator. And <laughs> I just baked the shit out of this plant for <laughs> you put it on top of probably a radiator the better in part a of a year. Box. Yeah, it was it was pretty. And then also like the little tag that came with it. I was reading the care instructions. It's like likes partial shade. Don't don't water it too much. And then. Since, you know, we hit the lockdown, I found myself with extra time. Mm-hmm. And I have, as you can see, there's like a bunch of plants back there. Yep. There's a, there's a lot more plants in my apartment now. And I decided, like, what have I got to lose? I built a plant shelf outside. And when it was warm enough, I moved everything outside. I, like, was really aggressive with my pruning of this <laughs> plant. It's a, it was a peace lily. It still is a peace lily. And I, like, pruned everything, got rid of everything that even had the slightest little bit of brown or like dead leaf on it and watered the shit out of it and in direct sun most of the day. And this, this plant has never been happier. It is like just excellent growing. It hasn't you, given you, me a flower yet, but it's, we're close. You, you paid your penance for the, uh, yeah. the mistreatment of the but fauna. Everything, the everything that it said it wanted was just a lie. This, this plant loves water. Can't get enough sun. <laughs> I, it was like, it was, doomed to fail and i cheated the system um speaking of quarantine i guess we didn't really get in on that too much obviously at the start of quarantine things kind of hit a speed bump work-wise uh how have you been spending your time and when did you wind up getting back into into working well i we everything went down the industry went down on the friday the 13th uh arch yeah that was when i think the dominoes started to fall yep that, Uh, that is the travel advisory date yeah, I'm very familiar with for cancellations. Yeah. So every everything pretty much in the film industry went down on Friday the thirteenth. Um, since then, I think I just oh, I was so bummed. I was a bunch of stuff lined up, which I like stuff that I I can't talk about because I guess it still hasn't you know come to fruition yeah. yet. So still technically secret, I guess. But um, it was it was fixing up to be a pretty nice year, and that all went down. Um, so I did the James Bond. Once a night, um, I started taking walks 
and uh, crushing audiobooks on my walks. I listen to a lot mm. of the Expanse series. It's like fun, fun, like pulpy science fiction little I, I have space. friends who are very much uh evangelists for the for the for the show interesting okay I, I think i've done a couple days on that show just like second unit stuff but i think the books are a little little better gotcha. as as it would have to be on grand scale sci-fi yeah. thing really fun um and then i was walking so much that i noticed that i was like my i was getting specific knee problems and i had to switch oh, my shoes because like a put like my orthotics back in insane what a difference that made so i guess uh i had to kind of retire a pair of shoes because they were giving me pain when i walked which no one wants <laughs> definitely not a good trait to yeah. have an issue exactly but i i would have like a a nice little routine like i think i would watch a fraser uh, uh practice the mandolin or practice the bass i got into a little bit of large format photography over the the last little bit of the quarantine a lot of bike riding uh i joined a uh, a sailing co-op down by the water so i'm in toronto and then down at the lake there's a couple co-op sailing clubs where you cool um whenever you want pretty much so i was able to do some sailing when the weather got better that was um that's pretty much it uh so the summer was the first time i'd actually like been uh so, so like i have some friends who very much got into boating uh so yeah. we'd go up to constantly lake every now and again i did almost drown once but that's I, I I learned to sail on Conestoga Lake. That's hilarious. Yeah. Did you um, do like a sailing or like motorboating? Uh, motorboating. All right. Um, I didn't learn. I, I was just a happy passenger. How it happened or the near drowning? Oh, the near drowning. <laughs> As I mean, <laughs> and then I was a tense reason. Then I was a tense passenger. Yes. Um, but um, people yeah. are happy on boats, it's um, unless you've almost drowned. Yeah. Uh, our, our, it was um, it was Brian Hatton's boat actually that we went on, and apparently he's been sailing for years. Um, yeah. Oh my gosh, I haven't... Man, there's a name I haven't heard in a long time. <laughs> uh, when did you first learn how to how to sail? It's probably around uh, grade seven or eight, yeah. Oh, wow. Maybe even grade six, but uh, my grandfather uh, would give me a, a gift of sailing lessons at uh, Conestoga Sailing Club. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I'd go out for two weeks kind of every summer and learn to sail, and every summer you'd get a bigger boat and more skill and go. Very cool. Yeah, and I was happy to find that it didn't. the skills didn't really fade too much it's a little bit like writing it but yeah i got to get out on the water it was a, a pretty good way to spend um the quarantine hmm. i did have a, re- a relationship that kind of fell apart in the middle of all the a combination of not being able to see each other and hmm. some regular fund- relationship fund- differences exactly so it sure didn't help and gotcha. so it became a very interesting time to be single which Indeed. Is, yeah because just like does dating even work anymore it sure doesn't <laughs> Yeah, I, I have a friend who's also named Chris, um, and he's been very active on dating apps. And he met someone named Daisy. Now, coincidentally, my name is Chris, and I also met someone named Daisy. I'm just like, oh hey, we're like, <laughs> this is a weird coincidence. What are the odds? Yeah, uh, quarantine dating was definitely like up until phase one opened things back up in Ontario. Just mm-hmm. like I'm having a conversation and like meeting people is cool, so this is adequate. Yeah. Not dating, but just talking to people. Always good to have during a... You know, yeah. Um, I'm, I've always been, I guess, a little more passive on dating apps. Like, I'll just go there for conversation. Yeah. I'm not looking to smash, as the kids say these days. <laughs> uh, oh. I'm, I'm here looking for a relationship. It's cool. It's easy. Not yeah. at all. No. 
And then basically there was like a period of time where it became like, you just want to go to this outdoor area and sit kind of far apart <laughs> and have an in, in-person conversation. Okay, great. That's as far as we can go for the next foreseeable future. I, I was I was definitely reckless enough to just be like, okay, well, restaurants are open. We got to give them our business. Otherwise, things are going to go terribly. So yeah. we're just going to hit up a patio. We're going to hit up this other place where, you know, we're six feet away from the needle. It's cool. Uh-huh. It's fine. It's legal. I don't feel as guilty. No, it's weird because shades of guilt. As, uh, as soon as something is legal, it's like, oh, okay, I guess I can do this. I, I'll go inside this restaurant with no mask. And oh, dear. Like, it's, as soon as like you start to think about it, it's like, this <laughs> probably shouldn't be allowed. But it's allowed, <laughs> so I'm going to do it. And then it's, it suddenly becomes okay. Um, I remember, I think it was like the third day that I went on, we went to 271 West and they had like an after seating thing. And the waiter was just like very much disappointed in the crowd of people who like refused to wear a mask. Just like, man, I, I feel for you. Meanwhile, I'm sitting here like talking to him because I'm also like trying to eat mm-hmm. and my mask is off. I'm just like, oh, right. I need to put this back on in order to talk to you. Oh, it's so, it's, it's so weird. It's tough. Yeah. There's, uh, there's been a couple local places around me that have definitely gotten my Uber. Oh yeah. For on sure. The regular. Got gotta gotta stimulate the the local economy. Exactly. Am I a lazy? You're a hero, or... Robert. You're a hero. No, that's uh, that's the other part of the thing. Am I <laughs> am I lazy or am I a local hero? Am I just saving these small businesses from a certain bankruptcy? The the, the true hero, actually, because uh, you're also helping the the driver. You know, like the, yeah, they're they're earning an income. So okay, yeah, it's, is, it's helping everybody. This is a controversial statement that. I'm going to go ahead anyways. Go for I it. I, I think this might be a safe place. Yeah. Um, I don't often give five-star Ubers. Oh, wow. In, the, is... in, the, in the drive, drive yeah, yeah. context. And in order for me to give a five-star Uber review, it's got to be like, this car smells amazing, comfortable ride, no issues at all. Person up front did not open their mouth once. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yes. The classic, the classic millennial... Silent yeah. Uber ride. Exactly. No, no talking. That's the only time I'll give a, a like nice car, clean, smells good, doesn't talk, got there, you know, within time. Man, I, I, yeah. I wonder I wonder where that comes from. <laughs> like like how's it so prevalent <laughs> that like we do not wish to talk to our Uber driver? Um I don't know. I never wish to talk to a, a cat unless they're like, you know, a character. Yeah. I have no desire to talk to a boring person. That's that sucks. Yeah, j- if j- got, just just someone who's trying to like do a job that they signed up for. I know. If like my if I land in New York or Chicago and I've got this real kind of you know native guy who's been like driving a cab for thirty years and he's seen it all and it, sure I'll be. He's got, he's got some fuzzy dice on the rear view. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, it's, like, oh, it's Frank Sinatra in the back of this cab in nineteen seventy four. It's like, okay. I'm I'm five stars. I'm listening. Go on. Go on. <laughs> like, yeah, I don't want to hear about last night's, you know, Jay's game. I either was paying attention if I was interested or I missed it. Yeah. <laughs> Fair enough. Yeah, four stars, but then suddenly that's that's maybe unpopular amongst some friends. Uh, what's your do you five star all the time? Yeah, I'm I'm giving them five stars because like I think Uber has like some weird like scheme where as soon as like they dip, or not even scheme, just like like four stars Al- is a fail. Like, like algorithm where they, if they dip below a certain threshold, you know, they're, they're not getting as many assignments or whatever. It's well, like, well, well now we're, now we're, uh, you know, catering to the failings of the business model and not that, necessarily that is true. the people. 
which uh, is an uh, interesting uh, line to yeah, go. Uh, and, and it's because it, ter- it turns out to be like a punishment on the person rather than like, so it's just like, well, I don't, yeah, then, I don't think they forced. did. I don't think they did anything wrong. Yeah. It's like, for me, it's a binary thing. If I get my food and like, it's all together and nothing's Success. been like tampered. Like, yeah. yeah, you're good. But like yesterday I, I got like a smoothie that I guess was kept next to something that was hot because it had like oh. melted. So like, you know, now it's just like, here's some ice and here's some like vaguely Pretty water. water stuff. Yeah. <laughs> um, and not only that, but like he, he like had tilted the bag that it was being carried in as well. So now there's just like liquid in a bag. It's feeling like a four, like, like a three star or maybe yeah, a two. Like, like that's a dude, like this is wrong. No, something's, something's the matter. Yeah. Yeah. Not not five stars. And when did it's like it it should be a binary. Like uh as far as I'm aware, I don't know if the standard has changed, but like gratuity is sitting around the fifteen, maybe eighteen range. I think I think for people our age, the most prevalent thing is uh twenty percent because like twenty. I, 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 yeah, I think I think the millennial consciousness is such that like we understand that tips are a large part of the um I guess like revenue for like service and stuff. Yes. Um, so, but again, so, we're, we're playing into the failings exactly. of the system as opposed to like doing this is what I was raised with was a normal gratuity, which was, I was told it was 15%. And that's, Likewise. And, and on many machines too, you ever gotten the, um, the, the, the machine that will prompt you uh, a percentage of the tip and have it equate to an emotion. Yep. Like it'll say, you know, 15%, Meh, 18% okay, 20% not bad, 25% good. Like it'll, they'll, they get egregious yeah. with the amount of tip and then they try the and guilt, guilt the you. The guilt tripping. Yeah. The guilt tipping perhaps. Hey, uh, one second. I need to turn on a light. Oh yeah. It's getting dark. Chris has just left the chair to go turn on the light. It is getting dark now. It's getting dark early these days, Robert. Yeah. Where where are you uh, living these days? Oh, I am in, uh, I guess, like the northeastern end of Waterloo. Okay. Um, so not quite Conestoga Mall, but in that general sort of area. Okay, right on, yeah. yeah. Uh, moved here at the start of October, actually, uh, from oh. Kitchener, uh, like south end of Kitchener, where I like basically lived for a year as like my first sort of, I'm moving out of my parents' house. This yeah. Is, this is how it's going to be, I'm living alone. Well, and Waterloo somehow... It feels a bit more bougie than Kate Kitchen. Yeah, it absolutely does. Like Even the house I was in before was like some small bungalow, and now this is just like this is too much space to <laughs> to be an acceptable house in a city where like homelessness is very much a concern. Yeah, it's um, there need to be some plants in the background to soak up the sound. Yeah, that's that's a weird conception. Like that Waterloo is fancier somehow than Kitchener, and it's not necessarily true <laughs> it's what it's what happens when you have one uh city where there's an uptown and another city in town i know uh, what? <laughs> they're, they're the same and they're right next to each other <laughs> they're not even on a different elevation thanks billy jewel oh uptown girl yeah downtown world yeah <laughs> thanks a lot billy jewel <laughs> how long do your podcasts usually run are they in the 90s uh yeah Pretty much. There was one episode that I think went either almost two hours or slightly more than two hours. And that was because I just got like so lost in the conversation that I didn't even bother looking at the time ever. 
You ever tried which is, those? Which is always good. Yeah. It's, uh, you know, when they, when they fly by, that's how you know it's money. Yeah. Just gold. Big money. Easy money. Even you people those, who have never uh, heard of a Robert Murdoch before will want to hear this episode. Or at least the last half. Yes. You know, now that we're kind of up and running. <laughs> you ever done the um, the food subscription services like the Good Food or the Hello Fresh? Uh, there was a time where um, uh, Eddie Eddie Kim had actually gifted my friends and I. Uh, it was like actually sorry he had sent out a referral link, so each of us in the house took one, and, and we parlayed not unselfishly. To... Those are like if you send those out and you get people to get them, you get money back yourself. Exactly, it's a bit of a pyramid scheme. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so we parlayed that to like uh, like a few meals. Um, my yeah. sister actually gave me one as a gift um, that I have yet to redeem. Should probably do that. I think it may run out within the year. Well, they're not bad. I, I like I'm on them now, and it's more like a, a convenience thing. All I have is pretty much a weekend. It you know gives me a, a bit more time and effort back. But- so and it keeps the skills sharp. There's going to be a time where exactly it's better than what I could come up on my own. And like you're doing it yourself, so you're kind of learning a little bit. Mm-hmm. But there was a time where I just got so frustrated with uh, good food service. Felt like they were copping out. It was like, all right, here's you know half a meal, and then here's an entire head of lettuce. It's a salad. <laughs> just roughly chop it. It's a salad. <laughs> Add a little bit of vinegar and olive oil. But that's not a. No, no, no. Here's here's five dollars with the food, and we're telling and you it's a salad. Yeah, <laughs> just this is an entire it. cabbage. That's the mayonnaise. <laughs> it's slaw. I got I got a little angry with them. <laughs> really, really phoning in over there. The, exactly. The <laughs> exactly. The creative geniuses over at Good Food need to step up their game. Otherwise, I'm taking my business to uh to HelloFresh. I tried HelloFresh, and I, uh, in my opinion, I didn't I didn't think it was the same level of food mm-hmm. as uh, as Good Food. It was a little, a little simpler to prepare, a little less effort, but I think that it did not match with the difference in the food. I went back. Gotcha. To food. Yeah. I'm going to mute myself as there's a thrumming from a garage door opening. Oh. I live above a garage. <laughs> there, there, there's like a loft above it um, where I keep my computer and stuff, and then my bedroom is a separate place. No longer as it I, should be. am I within the same confines of my bed and my... PC. That's a real milestone of adulting. Indeed. Yeah. I know like the, just the, just the humming. Cause I don't turn off my computer cause I'm a gamer. Yeah. Um, no longer have to deal with that or just like the lights of my keyboard. It's nice. Did, it's good. Did you hear about um, kind of at the, at the beginning of the pandemic, there was a function where you could have your computer's computing power work towards um, doing uh, genetic research on the coronavirus, like the virus itself i had heard about that did not do it um, <laughs> i did mine no, for a bit for no for no real reason it was uh yeah you could like sign up and i think it was stanford or one of those research universities basically needed a supercomputer but all of the supercomputers were busy so <laughs> they did like remote uh i don't know what the exact word for it like cloud computing exactly if you connect your computer to their network they could use uh, your computer's background processes for doing their simulations of how the coronavirus uh, cell reacts to different yep. things. But I there found that a... my fan was just on maximum all the time. <laughs> like I would like get in from a walk and I'd hear <laughs> or laptop. Uh, 
there was um another project that was similar in concept called the, it was like folding at home or something. That was that was the one I did, yeah. Um I remember doing that in like grade sometime in high school, don't remember mm-hmm. which grade. Abruptly stopped doing it. Yeah, I think Again, it's no time I upgraded my I changed from a SS or from a hard drive to an SSD. Ooh, that's a that's a good upgrade. It was just mind blowing because my machine is a I think it's a 2012 MacBook. Oh wow! And I thought it was pretty good before, and I put a SSD in, and it's like a new machine. <laughs> it's crazy. So hopefully, I mean, this thing's paid for itself. So hopefully, I get a little while. Uh, so earlier we talked about people being able to talk passionately about a singular topic, which yeah. like was me into my next question as I mute my mic again. Oh yeah. That's all right. It's just a little rumble. And now that we've been explained what it is. True. I could just, I could just keep going. Um, you know, it's, it's the butcher shop downstairs. They're dismembering people. <laughs> that's what that, that's what that noise is. Yep. Also, please don't call the police. Yeah. Um, I'm not going to tell you where I live. Uh, Robert, if you were to give a talk on any particular subject, what what would your TED talk be? I feel like I could get about halfway to doing a TED talk and then I insights information. <laughs> I'm a bit of the, the jack of a lot of trades, master of none. Um, and incidentally, the rest of that phrase, I don't know if you've heard of the, the full phrase is jack of all trades, master of none, but better than a master of one. Yep. Uh, the opposite of what a lot of people use the phrase for. Indeed. Just like uh, how they conveniently, they conveniently live out. Leave this out. Little tidbit. Yeah, exactly. It's like uh, curiosity killed the cat, but satisfaction brought it back. Which is, I have never heard the second part to that at all. And it's the opposite of the, like if you just have the first bit on its own, it's kind of the opposite sentiment. I'd probably do it on rush the band or. Right. I forgot. you. Were um, rush, yeah. yeah. Or maybe just like a little, some sort of esoteric part of the film industry technology that's no longer relevant. <laughs> that's kind of stuff that I'm hopelessly interested in. I think I think that's what I would do. I would do, yeah, just something something nerdy and useless. I'm great at <laughs> trivia nights. Excellent. I mentioned that I wanted to discuss this earlier in the show. Uh, so so having done a recent rewatching of the Bonds. Hmm. Um, Obviously, I have to ask you about a power ranking of of the bomb. Okay, all right. So I'm gonna Google this because I can't remember everything. And also, James Bond isn't entirely within my wheelhouse to begin with. Um, uh, so rather than go for the whole like, uh, where do you rank each film? We're just gonna uh-huh. group them by. We're just gonna group them by actors. Yeah. Uh, so we're gonna we're just gonna rank them down from um. You know, seven to, seven to one. Who who is your canonically or not even canonically seven? Are this who am I missing? I have Sean Connery, George Lazenby. Roger oh yeah, Lazenby, sorry, sorry. Six, 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 six. Okay. But it's totally, it's totally I'm, conceivable I'm, that I've forgotten. I, 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 I'm gonna make the assumption that Henry Henry Campbell is a uh, is, is seven. There, there. Yeah, saved it. Oh, saved it. perfect. Um. Uh, yeah, that, I, Robert, how are you ranking them? I mean, it's a bit of a cop-up, but you, if you take them all into context of the time that were they were all made, sure. they stand up like pretty well. For instance, like the Roger Moore stuff in the um, mid-70s to the 80s, that was a bit of a, a campier bond, a little more fun, a little more, you know, wink mm-hmm. to the camera, some funny wordplay, a little more ridiculous situations. 
Um, the Daniel Craig stuff is great because it's really like hard hitting, but it's it it's not as you know lighthearted or fun. <laughs> so they're they're all definitely products of their times. I think the worst films are probably the Pierce Brosnan films Agreed. because they are the. I mean, Goldeneye is pretty great, but the rest of them are just like so late '90s and 2000s. Everything's just lacking. But I think Pierce Brosnan is the uh, he's the archetypal Bond. He's it was what you want it to look like, and like he had the gadgets, really suave, pretty handsome, and I think he's he was like a great Bond, but his jills sucked for him. Um, I think I think my favorite Bond film of all would be like Casino Royale, with great movie on its own, and also a good James. Um, are we going Bonds, or you want me to rank the Bonds actors, or do you want me to rank the era of like the the film kind of the film uh, collection for the, each? We're we're going to go for the actors here. Um, Timothy Dalton's a good actor, but I don't think he was a great James Bond, so I'll put him near the bottom. Uh, George Lazenby, um, Australian which normally is a, a point, big, big but strike. he was only in one. He he never really uh, had a chance to kind of stretch his legs, so I'll put him second last. Um, Sean Connery is a classic, um, the but OG. I think his, the era of like, oh, I think it's okay to slap a woman around if she gives <laughs> you any trouble. Yeah. Uh, I think that takes some points away from him. He smoked a lot, so got to put him down at the bottom. Roger Moore was my first Bond, so he's got a special place in my heart. Um, but, you know, it, that it's just sentimental value. I think that his acting skills were not necessarily, you know, took us along for a good time. I think Daniel Craig is probably the best James Bond and Pierce Brosnan the second best. Sounds I, hope that, I hope that I was a little all over the map. I didn't go one, two, three. Hopefully <laughs> it all kind of made sense <laughs> at the end. Six, five, four, three, one, two. Yeah, exactly. Uh, isn't that how you count? Yeah. <laughs> okay, get Eddie Kim on. We can. Uh, we'll sort this out. Yeah, we'll we'll get Terrence Howard in with his uh with his new math. Exactly. I'm sure. I'm sure he'll be able to make sense. Of it. Um, as someone who has uh sort of engaged the the industry from a more technical standpoint, um, has that affected the way that you uh as like entertainment? Definitely. I think that I get a lot of enjoyment when a movie is good, both like in story and the execution. If you know how the sausage is made, it makes something that's good, just doubly good. Um, but it also raises my threshold for dismissing it. Like if it's, if it's crap, I'll be really glaringly obvious to me. And I can't even retreat into the safe space of just watching it, a piece of technology, just watching it technically and not even paying attention to the story. I just have to like walk out or I don't think I have. I've definitely turned stuff off, but I've never walked out of a movie. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. But like, like stuff that's very complicated to, to pull off, just it, if it's really well executed, it just heightens my interest <laughs> like a, a ton more. Is there, is there a film where, um, I guess like sort of non non technical people that you know are like fawning over it, but uh, you're like like you saw something that just kind of ruined it for you. Or more abstractly, uh, do you have any contrarian film takes from recent? Oh, probably. Shoot, I'll need a minute to think about. Take this. your time. Oh yeah, the um, the Baywatch movie was a great time. Was it? Like, 
I have a, a bunch of friends that say, you know, it was pretty crap. And, uh, but I mean, have to go into it, uh, expecting to be entertained and watching the rock run around for a little bit and some Zac Efron action. And it's, it was a, it was a fun time. I had some good nostalgic memories there. It's nothing amazing. It's not a tremendous story, but it, you know, kind of entertains you <laughs> very ably for an hour and a half. Or I, I think it's just, I think it may just be the Baywatch purists that are disappointed. There weren't more uh, Pamela Anderson and the Hoff. I know there was, there was one cameo for both of them, but uh, I think that was it. But yeah. I, most of the stuff that's been like pretty highly regarded, I've ended up watching and be like, okay, I kind of get this. Yeah. I know there's some against, like La La Land or Whiplash that, you know, it's not actually very good as, as pieces of just entertainment. I don't, I don't think you should hold anything to too high a standard because just end up letting you down. That's my just general philosophy. I think it's as depressing <laughs> as it sounds, you should just have low expectations and then you can only be impressed. Hell yeah. Yeah. That's Which, the way I present myself on dating apps. <laughs> lower your expectations now <laughs> and prepare to be impressed. And um, yeah, I think that's a, that's a fairly good way to go, go through life. Perfect. Uh, what were your, some, what were some of your standout films from 2019? Uh, I might drop a film that did not come out in that year. So apologies. That's perfectly fine. I remember seeing Parasite, which was so good. It, it definitely won a lot of awards last year. So that, that's, that's it definitely even, didn't even if it came out earlier. Yeah. Uh, I watched it. I think it was, uh, really tremendously well done and just kind of reinforced that it, um, that the exposure that we get to non-Western media in North is so lacking. And mm-hmm. I think I saw a couple other non-English language films. I don't want to say foreign films because they're not foreign to themselves, but films mm-hmm. that were not made in North America. Yeah. I saw, I think a couple of those just like, just really impressed and such a, such a departure, like a take, taking you out of the normal way of watching a movie and just reminding you that, that there's tremendous talent all over the world. It's um, a shame that there's so kind of few vehicles for in, in, in non-Western countries to have uh, the art spread. The distribution of that is uh, kind of limited, yeah. which is unfortunate. Um, yeah, the Parasite was great. 1917 was a great time. Very impressive. I thought that it was not just a gimmick to have the uh, the single shot that it actually mm-hmm. like served the story, which is what it would have to do yeah. to succeed. Uh, Tenet was awesome. I saw that uh, a couple weeks ago at um, the Cinesphere at Ontario Place. So IMAX that? film. That was just like two and a half hours of like hanging on for dear life as this movie just pulled you along with it. Mm-hmm. And I want to go see it again, in fact, just because I was left with more questions than, or, than answers. So I, I had a fun time and it's just some people are saying like, Oh, you know, plot holes and whatever. It's if Christopher Nolan has said that if you're walking away, having questions about the plot, he's not making, <laughs> Oh, I saw cats with a, a bunch of friends and, um, uh, alcohol. Yeah. I was, say, was that one of those, was that one of those like ironic watchings of coming up with I the drinking game yeah. in the middle of uh, watching it? Yeah. I don't know if anybody has seen the the film version of Cats sincerely. (laughs) No, I think it's all, and everyone in the movie theater was on the same bus as we were, you know, laughing at everything. I I want to see the review of someone who watched Cats, uh, 
like uh, as a heartfelt viewing who had it ruined by people who were not taking it seriously. Do you hear about the cat's butthole? Of butthole course. Yeah. I'm a man of the internet. I, I <laughs> want to see the butthole version. Well, there isn't a butthole version per se, but it was everything, you know, everything that may have looked like a butthole was edited out of all scenes before yeah. it ever got to. So it, there isn't a butthole cut, sadly. <laughs> we must uh, find the originals. I know. But man, that, what, a, what a wild ride that must have been. Uh, did you see Knives Out at all? Oh, sure did. Yeah, I loved it. Yeah, that was a, that that was a fun time. That was my that was my singular favorite movie from 2019. There's so that was all um, all on digital, uh, <laughs> except for um, one single shot. So they got the director, uh, Ryan Wilson. Is it no? What's his name? Ryan Johnson. Yeah. Um, they got him a an old Panavision RS 200 camera from like decent 70s as a birthday present halfway through the. Show. And they used it for one shot. So one cut in Knives Out is on 35mm film. Wow. And uh, as, as, as an aside, the director of photography for that movie is Steve Yedlin. And he, his whole thing is that um, things are so advanced. And if you put enough thought into it, you can make digital and film indistinguishable from one another. It's an incredible technician and he's done a lot of testing, a lot of experimenting, published a lot of stuff saying that if you know what to do and make digital look exactly like film, if you work it the right way and that shooting on film for a particular look is pointless. And as kind of like a proving the point, there's one shot in there that's a completely different medium. It's analog instead of digital and no one is, no one can tell which one it is. (laughs) It's in there, though. It's, they it's they a, just won't tell you. It's a secret for him and him only. Exactly. Well, some pe- I guess some people will know. Yeah. But, uh, <laughs> uh, Ford versus Ferrari. I remember walking out of that and thinking, man, that sounded so good. Yes. And then I, uh, I had no idea about the storyline beforehand going into it. So I was just like, hey, you want to go watch this? I'm like, oh, yeah, sure. And then yeah. I think I found out. A gut punch at the end. Oh, yeah. Oh, I forgot about that. I think I yeah. found out about the general story on like an episode of top gear mm-hmm. where they kind of did an overview but I, I think that that was a fun movie um and something else i did during i don't know if it was during the quarantine or a little bit before it in the winter i saw grand prix and le mans oh it was in preparation to go see ford versus ferrari with some <laughs> friends Do, doing your doing the work putting the exactly work and it's i i had one of those moments that you have as a millennial you watch the spoof first. So I saw yeah. Talladega Nights when I was probably like 14 or something <laughs> like that. And then I got to watch uh, Le Mans or, and uh, Grand Prix and movies from the 60s. And you watch it and you go, oh my gosh, this is, this is where that came from. <laughs> like you can, you're kind of conscious of the fact that something's being ripped off in, in Talladega Nights or whatever. Mm-hmm. And then you watch Days of Thunder. Then you watch... Uh, you know, Grand Prix with the the European, the very very foreign adversary against you know James Garner, who's the yeah. all American hero of the movie, and then you think, oh, it's Sasha Baron Cohen in Talladega Nights. It's such an easy takeoff. <laughs> but that's happened so so often. Like you're watching The Simpsons, which is like yeah, yeah. central, and you know it's taking off something. You don't you don't quote know quite know what, but then you'll then watch like a Hitchcock later. movie or you'll watch Jaws or something like that, and talking about. <laughs> Yeah. Those writers. 
Yeah. And that's like, I think it's a unique problem to our generation where you see the spoof first and then you see the source. Yep. Unfortunately, I don't think um, for like whatever generation comes next, there's anything quite as ubiquitous as no, it's that, like, like everyone's going to see. I, you can't quote from Rick and Morty with the same, same fluency because Simpsons has something for everyone. And Rick and Morty is hilarious and voices are fun, but they're not, it's not really quotable. It's so contextual. Unless you're one of those people who went to McDonald's and demanded sauce. <laughs> and apparently it wasn't even that good, the Szechuan sauce. Heartbreaker. I know. Never meet your heroes. <laughs> I guess my hero, not. My hero is a container <laughs> sauce. <laughs> From like 30 years ago. Yeah. Oh, it's, I, it's, I don't know what it is about The Simpsons. You can't quote Family Guy. You can't quote Rick and Morty the same way. If, if anything, just like make the next generation watch old episodes of The Simpsons. No, exactly. Yeah. And not, not, I think, I think that uh, after season probably 11 or 12, it's not worth watching. Oh, yeah. that, that's where everybody fell off. Sad to say. The, the, the golden years for sure. Mm-hmm. I think I think my favorite Simpsons line of all time has to, it's the uh, one where they're making and uh, they're, you know, Bart's walking around. There's in the special effects. Well, why are you, why are you, why are you painting that horse? And he's, you guys painting a horse with like black guy goes, ah, cows don't look like cows on film. <laughs> <laughs> and then he goes, well, what do you do if you want a horse? Oh, we usually tape a bunch of cats together. <laughs> and it is the the truth in it the, the truth in that whole episode is so like freakishly close to like how film actually works like, ah, cows don't look like cows on film <laughs> it spoke to you oh yeah it just it, what do you have a favorite of all time simpsons quote do you think if you have to pick one man that's like asking a parent to pick their favorite child <laughs> so it's an easy question <laughs> <laughs> the one thing that's calling out to me right now is um Homer going, oh, I'm making people happy. I'm the magical man from Candyland in a gun drop house on Lollipop Lane. Just <laughs> can't tell it's being sarcastic. <laughs> oh, that's... And you that's know good. what? That's because I strive to make people happy. <laughs> I'm making people happy. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's... That's good. Well, I always, I always like to... Remember the, the, the one where Homer goes on disability and becomes obese and he's like, uh, you know, typing in the computer, press yes. It's like, why? He, what? I don't have to, I only <laughs> I have to have type to the first why. letter. Marge, I just tripled my productivity. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they don't write shows like that anymore, sadly. Uh, so Robert, the, the, last, uh, the last official segment before we yeah. head up the plugs, uh, I like to ask this to all of my guests. Um, if you were to host your own version of this show where you talk to someone you haven't spoken to in a while, who is there anybody that comes to mind? Oh, there's this guy I remember from Cortland called Christopher Hua. <laughs> that I would probably, I, I, it would probably be very similar to this because it was kind of that, that fun group of, you know, the, uh, the enrichment kids from Oh yeah, Portland. We were all very cool. Oh, so cool. Like I haven't, I haven't heard from Brian, uh, Eddie came out just seen like on Instagram Probably talk to like him, you, Dania. Uh, probably want to see how Carolyn's doing. Uh, I think I seen Seth McDermott kind of like a few years ago. Mm. Probably catch up with him. He uh, he actually owns a. Um, this is a friend of ours who uh, is one of the biggest fans of uh, public transit. I think he's yep, lucky enough to sure. do something in that field with his career. And since they retired all of, like the seventies and eighties 
Swiss design streetcars, he actually got a body panel off of one of them Sick. from the TTC somehow. I don't know how he did it, but uh, <laughs> it was like the front cowling of it where, that housed the destination sign. And he's got a mm-hmm. full roll of all the destinations. So he's got one of those in his apartment. And it's like, it, it looks perfectly normal when you see it on a streetcar, like, the, like a, a 60 foot long vehicle. But, but, but the then rest, you bring it in your of couch, context. it's the size of a couch. It's, <laughs> it's just enormous. I don't know what he's going to do with it. Like, and it's not, it's, it's, a, not it's a conversation. He's living in midtown Toronto. What's the, how, where will it go? It's huge. <laughs> just go out on a walk and just change the destination as you, as you walk around. Yeah. I think either, either, so either people from that era of my life, or I might go to like grade one or grade two or kindergarten, like people who, Essentially, we have nothing in common anymore being so long, like almost oh, for 30 sure. years. I've had a couple of people on from like my grade five or six years. Uh, still some things in common, but it, it's, it's cool to see how people have, have, have become adults. Mm-hmm. Like I think I, I, I imagine that everyone from grade seven and eight is pretty much the same person at heart. Like I know I haven't changed too much. I'm a, I, I talk a little less. Um, I'm a little calmer. <laughs> uh, you know, it chilled out. It chilled out a fair amount. I think it was pretty, not 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 nearly as frenetic. I don't come on as strong anymore. I'm grown a little more self-aware. <laughs> I've cringed myself a couple times, so I a little more chill, but pretty much same, same interests, same enthusiasm. Yeah, class the, the classic traits of a Robert Murdoch. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Well, you've been a consummate host. Thank you very much for, for having me on. What, what's the plug situation like? Uh, well, I announced that, you know, I like to close out. I like to f- close out the episode. I've yet to gracefully close out the episode, by the way. I can't quite figure out. I've listened to so many podcasts that they managed to do it. I don't know how. But anyways. I think the way uh, to do that is, uh, and we're running out of time. I'd like to thank our sponsor, uh, Tide Lunch, <laughs> and uh, goodbye. Um, but yeah, I, I like to give my, my guests a moment to plug anything that either they're working on or they think deserves, demands more people's attention. Um, so I so I switched the Zoom call to uh, from, from gallery view to speaker view, mm-hmm. and then I just I just let them at it. So Robert, take it away. I'm going to need you to make liberal use of that um, silence trimmer. <laughs> what, what deserves? Oh, only in the audio only version. Mm. The, the video it's just full on, just pensive. Oh no. <laughs> That's horrifying. Well, I'm not going to plug any of the shows that I'm working on because they they have like their own stupid advertising budgets and that would be a bit of a sellout. There, there's a lot of causes out there that are so so needing it. That's a very tough question. I'd say if you have a uh, someone that you listen to their music, like a, an artist or whatever that you're streaming on Spotify, the money that they get from spotify is fractions of per listen it's like a a silly thing so i have always been if i like really really like something that i get either for free on the internet or spotify i and like buy an album from their thing or or uh like go to their bank and wikipedia just give three bucks how often do you use wikipedia in daily life i am on there at least two or three times a day so I have no problem giving like three bucks. It's the wealth of mankind's information, pretty much. It's not peer-reviewed, but it's close enough. Accurately? Maybe not. <laughs> but, uh, your questions will be answered. Uh, yeah. So go support uh, music artists uh, when concerts come back. Go out and, and theater 
go and see live events because uh, those industries are really suffering and uh, support Wikipedia because knowledge is power. Very, very well plugged, Robert. Oh, thanks. Uh, my plug for this week, as I mentioned earlier, uh, Good Kid, the band from Toronto, has a new EP called Good Kid 2. Very creative naming. That's, that's what you should have. Like, that's <laughs> the best. That's following in the naming traditions of great bands yeah. like Led Zeppelin. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, be sure to check that out if you have the time and a place to listen to audio. Yeah. Uh, but on that, Robert, thank you so much for taking this, this wonderful Sunday to chat with me. Christopher, uh, thank you for having me on. What a, yeah. what a great idea. And listener, thank you so much for listening, whoever you are, wherever you are, and I'll see you next time. Listener is plural, more than one. Ooh, yes. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Thanks, Christopher.